We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir, uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. That gets a free stay. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Banduho, and we are back with another Big Screen Sports Patreon group movie selection. Uh, the patrons voted in Angels in the Outfield to be covered. It was scheduled for a couple weeks ago, and then me and my co-hosts for this one, Danny Weiser and Mike Schubert, discovered that Angels in the Outfield is not streaming anywhere. But I was able to send a DVD on Amazon Prime to my co-host. We have all watched... Angels in the Outfield, and today we're we're breaking it down. Uh, it's, it's certainly a movie. Um, and, and doing it so close, we'll get into this, doing it so close to Little Big League might not have been the best for our impressions of the movie. But before we get into it, I want to shout out our Big Scene Sports Patreon group, especially our big chill producer-level patrons. That's Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D., Ryan Yeager, Mike Trees, Chris Mikoski, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zachary Classic Stadium Fire, Jason Alba, Stephen DeBoe, Dan McFall, Kevin Inkleman, Mac Lindsay, Kurt Ritchie, Robert Dove, Jim Scroggs, Andrew Teagle, Rewan Balagoon, Jeff Estes, and Anthony Scafone. Big thanks to them, all of the patrons, for supporting this show. Not only for the support, but for participating in the Patreon group. Now giving patrons more choice than ever as we move out of Ted Lasso back fully into movies. Patrons are now going to be picking two movies a month to be covered, plus producers in August are going to be able to vote on the a theme month. For September. They're going to get a choice. We're going to pick a theme. We're going to dive into September. So new Big Screen Sports theme month. That's going to be picked by our producers. Again, big shout out to them, all of the patrons for supporting this show. And with that, let's dive right in. Angels in the Outfield, me, Danny Weiser, Mike Schubert. All right, returning to Big Screen Sports for the second time in three weeks. It is the co-host of the Rankings, Danny Weiser, and the host of the newest Olympian, the hardest man in podcasting, Mike Schubert. Guys, welcome back to talk about another children's movie. You know, I'm going to let you keep that uh, in there. You didn't call me the hardest working man. You called me the hardest man, which... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Leave it. Leave it, you coward. (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's just it's say just how much you love. Well, it's just how much you love podcasting. I will say after watching <laughs> this movie, soft. <laughs> very, very, very. Uh, yes, uh, the hardest working man in podcasting, but a man who loves no, podcasting so much that that, that he is he's probably the hardest man in podcasting. Thank you, thank you, yeah, uh, yeah. guys. Before we, before we dive into it, and before we get into some more sexual innuendo. Uh, with this movie, uh, Danny, what's going on with the rankings? What has changed in the last two weeks? Uh, nothing. We are we're getting closer and closer. Tubes keeps just pointing us to his cross. Oh, sorry. I'm trying to adjust. I am adjusting my audio <laughs> levels. I thought you were given just the building context. on the hardest man in podcasting goof. And here we are. Uh, <laughs> um, we're gearing up for Expelliagus. Send out, send out patron stickers. People are starting to get excited for it. I am dreading having to say Expelliagus as many times as I'm going to have going to have to over the next month. But I'm excited to to talk about the Wizarding World with my good friend slash enemy Ty. And Mike, what's going on at the newest Olympian? Oh man, we are just chugging through book five, which is a very good book. Many people's favorite book, and I am also on tour, potentially coming to a city near you if you live in a city where I have a live show. Uh, we did <laughs> just get Texas shows confirmed in December, which is very cool. I will be Exciting. in the Midwest of the U.S. in August. And I like the fun thing about the Midwest is it takes up, like I feel, like 75% of the country. So if you say you're in the Midwest, it means nothing. Um, so, yeah, got, got some shows coming up. Go through book five, which will be fun, and then eventually I will get to the much-hated Percy Jackson film. And, oh, baby, I'm looking forward to it. That's wild. A, a That's good, wild. Old, good old roast session. Mm -hmm. uh, it's fun to have a roast session about a movie, which uh, yeah. will be, be relevant here uh, pr pretty soon. Um, real quick, I want to want to shout out, as always, our Patreon group. Uh, they voted this movie in. Uh, patrons are now getting they're, – they're voting on and picking two movies a month plus – in August, patrons are going to get to decide on a theme month for Ooh, September. They're going to get some choices. They're going to decide on one. I hope they make the right call, but I, I don't think they can go wrong, but there's a call that's that's slightly better. But uh, yeah, bigscreensports.com or patreon.com slash bigscreensports. I'm just a mess tonight, apparently. But uh, <laughs> guys, let's, let's dive right in. Patrons selected this movie. Uh, we are talking about Angels in the Outfield, the 1994 family baseball film. When a boy prays for a chance to have a family if the California Angels win the pennant, Angels are assigned to make that possible. A remake of a 1951 film by of the same name. It starred Danny Glover, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Tony Danza, directed by William Deere. Got a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the great film critic Gene Siskel said, quote, See Little Big League instead. Wait, did, uh, dude. is that actually the quote? That is actually the quote. Hell yeah. Did these movies come out similar time? Like, was it Same like... year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This and Rookie of the Year and Little Big League all right around that same time. Um, you know, it was... I mean, this is that... We talked about it before on this show. This is that period in the 90s where they were like, Sports film starring children. Mm -hmm. Let's make it happen. Box office. We're talking. I mean, to some to great effect. We, you know, I don't think we need to talk about Little Big League anymore. But like, that was that's a great movie mm -hmm. that doesn't get the shine it deserves. We got Rookie of the Year. We have Angels of the Outfield. We have The Big Green. We have The Sandlot. We have Little Giants. Like all those movies coming yeah. around, coming out around this time because it's like, ideally, there are movies that you can take your kids to, and when they're done really well. They're movies that the adults like too, which is something that we said Little Big League had a lot of success with. Mike, 
as you watch this movie on an actual DVD mm-hmm. that I sent you because it's not streaming, with just initial thoughts, what was it like kind of rediscovering this movie? Because I think you, like me, had not seen it in, yeah. in, I think we can call it decades now. I think, and people who listen to this podcast extensively and for a while will know that I like to come on the show and argue that movies that are not sports movies are in fact sports movies. I feel like for this movie, you could do the reverse. This is a sports movie that arguably is not a sports movie. The Mm -hmm. level of sport in terms of frequency of sport and also the quality of sport is so inferior to movies that you've covered on this pod. Watching this after Little Big League just about a week ago, some incredible whiplash just in terms of the quality of baseball the amount of baseball the non-force-fed aspect of the baseball like it it was this was not a fun one and I remember as a kid like this was similar to Little Big League where like I feel like I saw it once and I could tell you the rough general plot but not any of the specifics but I was anticipating this being more fun than it actually was and (laughs) yeah there's like goofy bits and silly moments but I feel like I feel like if you have kind of like a spectrum of it's a good movie that is enjoyable and baseball-y, you got Little Big League. And then if you got like, yeah, it's a baseball movie, but it's silly and fun, that's Rookie of the Year. I feel like Rookie of the Year nails it, but you got to know like it's cheesy mm-hmm. and stuff. Angels of the Outfield's like weirdly in between where it's like not super goofy and then it is too serious at times and not fun enough. It just... I don't know. It just felt like it missed every potential mark. It can't decide what it wants to be in a lot of ways. And this is a movie like I think kid, like my nine year old enjoyed this movie plenty. I don't think as much as little big league, but Danny, when you were revisiting this one, your thoughts. Yeah. I, I also hadn't seen it in, I, I mean, 20 years is probably a pretty solid guess, but I did watch this a lot, like a lot, a lot as a kid. So much so that 20 years later, I was like, quoting along with the movie that things that like didn't know that i had remembered that were like like coming back up even the way that like whoever that like the peaches and cream looking assistant or berries and cream looking assistant guy you know what i'm talking about yes yes that um, he what else is that guy in i was i was itching i have no idea itching. He's he just feels he's in he's in some disney shows um like he's in it because my wife and I were talking about it. He's in like uh, the Wizards of Waverly Place. Mm, uh, I did some episodes okay. of that. He is also he's in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, like uh, ten years before okay, this comes okay, okay. out. He looks like he's doing the Joker cosplay, and I just don't I don't like him <laughs> very much. Um, but so much so that like even him going like first kid for some reason that has, that. I was like, I remember that exactly, even the way that he says it. So have a lot more nostalgia for this movie than I was planning on going in. It's not good. <laughs> it's not a good, not a good movie. And I didn't realize it was going to be so not good going in. I will say, I want to, let's caveat. It does get some things right. There are some, you know, we're, our three up sections are not totally bare. But one thing I want to talk about before we get even into that is this might have the most loaded cast of any sports movie ever. It's an I, incredibly I am, I am prone to loaded. hyperbole here. It's loaded, but incredibly underused and 
Yeah. Duh. It's it's a real we didn't know what we had situation. Well, yeah, Matthew McConaughey um, is like random outfielder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so this movie has two best actor Oscar winners with Adrian Brody who gets like one line. I was floored when Adrian Brody showed up in minute three. <laughs> As a slap-hitting utility player. And then, obviously, and then McConaughey, who is about, I think, a year from blowing up. I think A Time to Kill comes out the year after this or two years after this. And then, suddenly, he's everywhere, and we're off to the races with that guy. Um, And then, getting casting kids is, is hard. And that's one thing that this movie did very, very well, like getting getting Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I think was already doing TV. I don't think he was an unknown, but like okay. you have Joseph Gordon-Levitt who goes on to have a fantastic career. And like he's that guy, good in the movie. Like good in the movie. And quality. Yeah. And so is, uh, and so is J the kid who plays the guy who plays JP. Mm-hmm. The kid who plays mm-hmm. JP is, is fantastic. Like they have, they're the two, two real saving graces of this movie is the kids are cute and the kids are effective. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, if, if they weren't carrying that much weight, we'd be in real trouble. If 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 JP was not just the cutest little kid, we would be in a world of hurt with this movie. Um, and then you get like Danny Glover to helmet, Tony Danza, whose you know best years were behind him, who were, were past. Who's the boss here? But it's it's pretty stunning. Like I just just in terms of like an exercise moving forward. Oh, and don't forget Christopher Lloyd. We've got Doc Brown in this one, and. Uh, yeah. And then the guy who played the owner, Ben Johnson, he also has an Oscar. Uh, Brenda Fricker, who plays Maggie, she also has an Oscar. So we have four Oscar winners in Angels in the Outfield. Uh, two who had already gotten their Oscar, which is says something about like casting, I guess, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in 1994. And yeah, yeah, and Disney money. Who? What career are you guys taking? Who? Who resonates with you the most? Which of these actors, like following Angels in the Outfield, like who is who is your guy out of these? I would assume it's just JGL, Brody, and McConaughey. Like Mike, who's your who's your guy out of those three? I would pick JGL. I feel like he had some really good movie runs. I feel like his whole hit record thing. Like I, I've I've followed him on Twitter for a while, and I like know he does it, and I never know what's going on. I feel like a a proud ant where I'm just like, yeah, you're doing that thing, Joseph. Keep going. Like he seems like he's having fun, <laughs> getting people, making stuff. Hell yeah. Uh, so I would pick him out of the three. Danny, uh, I think a sheer number of projects they've done that I like and roles that they've played that I've enjoyed it. I it, I think it's McConaughey, and it's not super close for me. Yeah, he's just. McConaughey's had the best career because yeah. anything I think anything that the other two have he also has like mm-hmm. JGL was in a great Nolan movie Matthew McConaughey led a Nolan movie mm-hmm. uh, Agent Brody has a best actor Oscar McConaughey also has a best actor Oscar McConaughey probably has made more money just that he did the did the rom-com thing and then has turned into kind of turned into a more serious actor and then also just turned into a parody of himself uh, and then he's also got True Detective season one, so I would say he's got right. the best career. Yeah, I love Joseph Gordon. I love a ton of his movies. And then Adrian Brody, the his his work in the Wes Anderson movies, it tickles a particular boat of mine. Like I, I, I'm very, very much a fan of of Adrian Brody in those movies. He's in Asteroid City, which is out now. Um, but it, it's just amazing that they they cast like sometimes it's funny being like oh that guy's in this movie like when he's really young and they got three of those people yeah which is which is dumb luck and then they turned it into nothing so with that mike is a <laughs> hall of fame all-star starter bench warmer sports movie uh it's a bench warmer for me it's 
it's wild that this one also I feel like has so much recognition, much like Rookie of the Year, and it's just so much worse of a film compared to Little Big League. And I get I, I will say like the flapping, it's iconic, and I think the concept is is wacky enough where I think there is explanation as to why it has more staying power in culture but as far as like is this movie good and and when you know we had to do the thing where you sent the dvd for us to watch this i was like ah you know if it's good this will be fun like honestly i wish we had this problem with little big league i would love to have little big league on dvd (laughs) i was regretting and i texted our little group chat i when we were prepping for the previous episode i rented it for three bucks i could have bought it for six. Oh, i wish i had bought it for six are you kidding me like i would love to be able to have that movie on demand whenever i have the internet so it's a bench warmer for me it's just not not a not a good flick yeah danny it's it's a starter but in the same way that like Josh Donaldson is still on the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's the, a starter in the same way that, like, the second baseman who hits 210 and has a 290 on base percentage but has a pretty good glove is a starter. You know what I mean? Like, it's just there until you find the next guy. It's that kind of starter. And it's all just nostalgia for me is the reason I have it even that high. Yeah. Uh, this is a bench warmer for me. I will say I I had fun revisiting aspects of it, mostly because it's like, oh, look at that guy. Look at that guy. Look at that guy. Um, and it's, you know, we'll get into it, but it's, it's kind of fun picking some things apart. It's not as it's not as offensive to me as the trouble with the curve, because um, this movie. I will say this movie is not trying to be a dead serious baseball movie. Right. Obviously, it's not trying to get things right, but it could have easily been a lot better and that's the part that kind of irks me is like you could have done some of these things and it'd be like and we'll get into it but there there are certain aspects of the movie that could have just been tightened up a little better baseball wise and i think Mm -hmm. that would have made the movie better as a whole um you know versus like trouble with the curve which thinks it's just uh super smart so uh not too much imdb trivia with this one uh (laughs) former a's and cardinals player and manager Tony LaRussa and his family make a cameo appearance in the owner's box during the last game, which is, again, not a point in this movie. They're they're in the jean jacket family where everybody is wearing denim head to toe in the owner's box at the end. I didn't go back and look, but that sounds right. <laughs> they're, all wearing, they're all wearing just denim and cowboy hats. Even the kids, dude. It's weird. That, that, sounds, that sounds right. Uh, the... Uh, the guy who plays Kit, hit or die, Kessie from the White Sox was former big leaguer Carney Lansford. Uh, actually played for the Angels, and I only included that because Carney Lansford is an incredible baseball name. Good Very name. Good you know what's a bad name? Hit or die hit is or a die. nickname. That's <laughs> such a mouthful. If his name is Kit, he should just be Kit, hit, whatever. Like, that. Yeah. it's so much. Kit, Kit hit or hit. die. Your nickname can't be three syllables when your first name is one syllable. Like, the, the only time you can have a long nickname is if it, like, replaces the name. But, like, you can't be, like, I'm trying to think of someone with a long, but, like, all the ones where you say the full name is, like, Clyde the Glide Drexler, like, where it's really quick, yeah. or Hakeem the Dream. Like, it has to be quick. You can't be Kit, hit, or die. Like, ugh, ugh God. That also is a man who lived in Houston right me. there. <laughs> don't tread on me tattoo that he had on his arm with hit or die written underneath it. Uh, really it's tough. It's really, one of those. Really, I, really I think at the time that was probably cool, but now hit or die. But now the, you know, that tattoo is more of, I'm a bad person probably. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's real tough. Real tough. Um, uh, last one. 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Tony Danza would later appear in the movie Don John. Uh, Tony Danza hmm. plays his father. You guys familiar with the movie Don John? I know that it existed, but I never saw it. Yeah. Don John is a movie where Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays um, essentially like a young Jersey Shore type guy uh, who is, I, if I remember correctly, addicted to porn and then starts dating a Scarlett Johansson playing like a very Jersey Shore type woman. And it's it's a movie that they just do not make anymore just like mm. original story that's like kind of a comedy but also kind of weird julianne moore's in it and tony dan's it's just bizarre anyways i just wanted to include that because i was <laughs> like remember don john like it's kind of like the baseball thing like remember some guys remember don john i remember don john was like joseph gordon levitt's in a movie and he's not a nerd this time <laughs> it was yeah, i feel like the whole <laughs> that was like the whole media landscape around it Put on some muscle for it. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick ad break, and then we're going to get back with what might be a very short section in 3 <laughs> <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Three up. Three things that worked about this movie. Danny, if you had to pick something, I'm going to pick on you here because mm-hmm. this, this mm-hmm. movie means mm-hmm. the most to you. What what would stand out? I, I will say, I, I will, you know, we have talked about the cast. Having this cast is at least fun, you know, almost 30 years later to revisit. Yeah. Yeah. The cast was my first thing. We already, there's really not anything to say about it except for that's a like, I need to write three good things here. So do you see how good the cast was? Um, the music, I think the music's good. If I'm making a baseball movie made by Disney that's about angels helping a baseball team, this is exactly what I think the music should sound like. So I think the music is fun and good and fitting. And uh, it, I'm going to say nostalgic 40 times because, again, it's the only good things I can think about this movie, but incredibly nostalgic for me. As three baseball guys, I think we can agree the Angels hold uniforms. Sweet. Yeah. Look yeah, really good. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Great, mm-hmm. great stuff. Pretty good. They're Stadium, fun. not so much. Uniforms, no. pretty good. Yeah. They uh, they filmed this in the Oakland Coliseum, actually. Nah. <laughs> Tough. Tell. It looks awful. Tough. <laughs> Tough. Um, this is more, does the character of Mel Clark work for you guys? Because I thought the conversation with him and George talking about like him pitching through pain, pitching on pain pills, actually still very relevant, still something, and especially from that era, Mm -hmm. something that happened a lot, like a guy who just burned out and really quick. Like, I see what they were going for, and I like that. I think the character 
in himself worked. I feel like if they had one more person on the writing staff that knew more things about baseball, that would help. Because there's just things that happen that take me out of it where they're like, he hasn't started a game in this decade. And I'm like, well, what year is it? Uh, yeah. If it's 1994, <laughs> it's like... Mm. Yeah, like if it's 1991, it's like, great. <laughs> uh, but the, And then even later on in the movie, it's like, oh, I don't think he has anything left. Well, he's throwing 156 pitches. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 156 pitches? So, and guess uh, what? He's dying. <laughs> yeah, of course he is. He threw 156 <laughs> pitches in a game. There's a couple of things that just take me out of it, but I, I would agree that like the... The concept and what they were going for is good, and I like the thought of it, but I think there were just, and this is purely just because I'm like a baseball guy who knows too much baseball minutia and played a lot, I think that's what just brought me out of it for a character that otherwise would have been fun to have. Yeah, when JP, I think it's JP, walks up to him is like, didn't he used to be Mel Clark? And he's like, yeah, I used mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, man, dive into that. Like, yeah. I want a conversation with that guy. We don't really hear anything yeah. about his psyche. Like, what is it like when you were a guy who was the guy? Like, that's something that I love digging into on From Phenom to the Farm is when I talk to someone mm-hmm. who at a certain level was you know, a uh, uh, world beater and then gets to the minor leagues or gets to the big leagues and can't do it anymore. That's a very yeah. interesting mental dynamic. And we had that. The thing I, we might be gradually already slipping into what doesn't work, but <laughs> maybe the thing that I think struggles with, they don't tie in a lot of what's going on the baseball field. Like they have this plot with Roger and what's going on with Roger and his life and him being a foster child and his father banning him. And they have this, this off the field thing that they can't ignore and they don't find a way to progress it during the, with the sport during the baseball scenes. Mm -hmm. They're very, they're both very separate. So neither feels as fleshed out as it should be. Like there was probably a way to be a little more, get a little more in unison with, with those two aspects, because the, I mean, if we're talking about what worked, if, you know, I don't know if this fit the tone of what I would have wanted out of the movie, but it is the Roger stuff is fucking gut wrenching. And it's like, you feel for this kid. Like I teared up a few times in this movie, just thinking about that when he is praying, when he has to witness his dad, signing his rights away like that stuff is really is really tough it just doesn't always fit the tone of the movie yeah it just felt very disjointed it felt like they had two writing teams where they were like all right you guys you write the baseball stuff and you over here you all write the sad kid dad leaving him behind story and then we'll alternate scenes because yeah I, i feel like there's not a lot of things that bring it together the pacing is weird it just feels strange and i agree that there's like elements of both that are fun but it just like doesn't work well together and weirdly i don't think that little big league had this issue i i feel like they they centered the story around the kid better in little big league where like i feel like when they're doing the baseball roger is so unimportant that you kind of forget about the other stuff going on with him he's very much just like kind of there yeah he sees the angels but we're never talking about him when they're literally on the field yeah yeah danny did you have anything else that worked about this one 
No. Uh, the, the, <laughs> how nostalgic I was for it literally was kind of like surprised at how much I remembered, how many quotes I remembered, how many beats I remembered. Um, but uh, that again, that was made for like seven-year-old Danny who loved this shit. To subset yeah. underneath the cast, Christopher Lloyd is phenomenal in the film, and he's perfect, not on screen enough. He's not on perfect screen casting. enough. I was shocked how little he was on screen. Yeah, same. He's mm-hmm. barely in the film. And he's Doc Brown. He yes. Is, I mean, I I wasn't like sentient in 1994. Like I was still very young, but I feel like he was still a huge deal. And and they marketed like he's on he's on the cover of the DVD. Yes. He's yeah. Featured in the trailer. Like it's really surprising how little he is in the movie. And like because th- that would have been you could have gotten so much more development if there had been more conversations with him and Roger. Because totally. the thing about Al, Al is all knowing. Because he, he, if if we didn't want to give Danza some kind of monologue about how he used to be Mel Clark and stuff like this, like we we could have gotten that information from Al. What mm-hmm. you know? What is driving Mel Clark? Why is George Knox so bitter? Like we just know he has a temper. We don't, you know. We we learned that he was, you know, he his dad wasn't around much, and that's a thing. But like he was a star player, and like why did he leave the Reds? And it's a it's a whole thing that they had this like they have this incredible asset and they're like, no better. It's like, uh, it's like Cameron's dad's Ferrari and Ferris Bueller. He, they just like leave him in the garage and wipe it with a diaper. Like they don't, they don't really drive it. That's, that's all we've got really. Yeah. And it's like, like Brenda Fricker is Maggie is, is great. She's great. And yeah, great. And everything really like good. when we bottle up these little performances, they're, they're really good. Like everything with, with Maggie and JGL, everything with JGL and, christopher lloyd like that stuff is good it's just there's there's too little of it the stuff the stuff that's working in this movie they don't tap it enough and that's that's a problem you got to go back to the well yeah i think my three up would be roger al maggie that's the three up and there's just not enough of them in the movie just a lot of a lot of the evil announcer guy a lot of a lot of screen time for him that that's my first three down (laughs) that's that's a plot they gotta get rid of um, I, I yeah. last last what worked I, again I said it but uh, JP mm. uh, is, mm-hmm. is so that he is played by Milton Davis Jr. didn't really act much after this just so cute like, adorable ad- yeah adorable just want to give him a hug um, he says some things that are gut wrenching like again this movie makes you deeply sad and I think if it was an I think if that was supposed to be the tone of the movie you'd be more like. I don't know. It'd be, and I guess the nineties were different with this, but like I'm watching a movie where angels are making a ball hop all around the A's infield. And this is goofy and guys are tripping all over themselves. And Oh yeah. By the way, JP can't ride in cars because him and his mom used to sleep in a car. And now he gets stomach aches and I'm going to go fucking throw up in the backyard. Like we're just jerking us all around here. Uh, yeah. Um, Danny, what is your strikeout? My strikeout was obvious. I wrote it down just as soon as the scene happened. You've got Al, the boss angel, who sits down to talk to this very small and deeply traumatized child. Says, hey, that guy over there, the guy that you you look up to and you've grown to really respect and, and kind of admire and enjoy being around. He's fucking dead in six months and you can't tell six anybody. Months. Six months he's dead. You, you can't, can't, you can't, can't tell go a soul. <laughs> you can't this go up to him and tell him that. on you now, dude, little, small, what, seven, eight-year-old child. You have to live with this now. It's fucked up. <laughs> it's so unnecessary. <laughs> it's, like, it's, so it's, unnecessary. 
Why do you have to tell the very small traumatized kid that his hero is dead soon? <laughs> I like I've remembered that part, but it is and it's just like it's the anti-smoking thing too. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, he's been been smoking forever. He's still in his thirties. Like he's a professional <laughs> baseball player. He's an athlete. Yeah, it's uh man, it's that one's tough. Uh, that that one is is really tough. I would say my strikeout, and for you know every episode of someone's first, the strikeout is the worst or most head scratching aspect of the movie. Um, Dermot Moroni's character in this movie is the worst fucking person on the planet. Like, yeah, a huge piece of shit. And like, I'm not gonna pull back the curtain too much, but like, I I've like I've been to family court. I have I have dealt with a termination of rights, and he is a massive piece of shit. But also the court having Roger come there just to watch his dad walk away is like one that doesn't happen. Like they don't like kids do not have to be present in family court for things like that. Like that is not, that is not something that happens that, that I can't say, but it is that whole thing is absolutely devastating. And we, it's very interesting that they don't even, that he's just, they like, they lean into, yeah, he's just a lazy piece of shit. Like he's not trying. He doesn't give Roger a thing of like, you know, oh, you know, he's not down on his luck. He's not, I mean, they do need to make it so it is a seamless, it's great that he's going to live with George Knox. Like, mm-hmm. but it's interesting, it's it's just, ugh, it, it is painful, painful to watch. I could have probably dealt with the Dermot Moroni stuff if not the Mel Clark is dying stuff. I think you have to pick one of those lanes. We can only have two devastating things. Um, yeah. Mike, what is what what is your strikeout here? Uh, it's early on, one of the first baseball scenes. Guy hits a pop-up to first base, and it's a fly ball to left field. <laughs> no, the Cardinals said It just sets the tone right yeah. away of like, oh, they didn't take the baseball seriously in this movie. And I think coming fresh off Little Big League really painted it, but truly early on in the film, that happening was was a, a tough outlook for me. And then later on, there's one where like a guy pops up to where is it? I took a note. He pops up somewhere and then it's a ground ball. Like it's definitely like a pop up up the middle and then it's a grounder to third or short. There's just like so many things of how, how, how do you not film this better? And it just really, really took me out of it of clearly that ball's not going there. What are you talking about? Again, it's another hat tip to the work of Little Big League yeah. that they mm-hmm. did. Because, again, that's not something that everyone would pick out, but Little Big League did the work. Do we just kind of want to roundhouse around the Zoom as far as things that didn't work? Like, yeah. my number one for, for three down, and when I say three, I mean a lot. Infinite. <laughs> uh, God doesn't care about baseball games. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We're not gonna help you with the fact that your father has abandoned you, but we'll help your baseball team. Help I guess the baseball team. <laughs> uh, yeah, Danny, what's something that doesn't work? Uh, w- w- the fact that we got so much more Ranch Wilder than mm-hmm. Al the Boss Angel mm-hmm. is unforgivable. I, yeah. I, God, I do not care about Ranch Wilder. I want none of him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not that whole relationship. So. How often does the manager directly into broadcaster transition go? Because it sounds like he was fired from being the Angels manager, and then they gave him the the play-by-play gig. Yeah, this seems more common in the NBA. You have coaches turn into mm-hmm. the ESPN guy. You got Mark Jackson. You got the Van Gundys. Like, they get 
fired at the beginning of the year and then they're broadcasting the playoffs by the end of the season. Like that happens. But again, it's not like directly with a team. And in baseball, I just feel like you have more of just like journalist media type guys that weren't former players or whatever. Michael Kay, John Sterling, you know, uh, uh, who's the Dodger, the uh, Scully, the the Dodgers Vince guy. Scully. Yeah. Was he a former yeah. player or was he just like a journalist guy? No, he, he got that gig when he was like 20, like in his early 20s. Exactly. I feel like that is what happens in baseball. So that's kind of weird. And I think what I will say for my first thing that didn't work is to – go further into why this evil announcer guy doesn't work is that every other baseball comedy movie or at least fun baseball movie that works is when the announcer is like a character you like and is fun like we saw the character in little big league obviously you see the really funny guy in major league and i feel like in so many other baseball films where it works that character being on your side and being able to describe things to the audience and to make things fun and lighthearted and tell jokes and poke fun like that's so much better of a of a dynamic than this guy is the antagonist and he's also like narrating the key moments so when like cool things happen he's not excited about it and like things are happening and it's like oh they have the lead for now it's just it just like puts such a damper it's very much the thing that happens in Space Jam 2 Electric Boogaloo where uh, you've got LeBron being a terrible dad the whole film and you're supposed to root for him and it really sucks. Yeah. A little big like using the announcer as exposition and audience surrogate mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. just a goof every now and then is the perfect way to Absolutely use that, perfect. that type of character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about George Knox. George Knox is a bad fucking manager. He is a bad person who treats his players horribly is, is not. And we don't get any reason to, to buy into him. The, I think the problem is the angels show up and they start doing, you know, they start doing some things. They start helping him out. And we only get one thing of a player does something good. And George looks at JGL and JGL is like, no, there's no, there's no angel there. And there's no, but there's no other exposition or conversations with George Knox or anything that shows that the team is getting better on their own. Because by the end of the movie, we have to be set up to believe that they could actually do this. And we don't get any verbal cues of, you know, hey, playing, you know, because it's, it's it would have been pretty easy to do. Like, if you playing with confidence is important, playing with positivity, being, you know, coming together as a team and stuff like that. And the only thing that changes George's, George Knox's disposition is that despite his best efforts, the team is winning. Despite him, mm-hmm. you know, essentially doing the Disney version of just motherfucking his team all over the dugout, they, they start winning because these angels show up. Like, he is just not good at his job. And he gives that speech at the end about, you know, when they're, they have the press conference and stuff, it's supposed to be a a great moment. And you kind of buy in because you're just like Danny Glover. I love you. I have so much history with you, but I do believe there are times in life where something stronger, higher, or maybe spiritual is with us. I can't explain it, but something has happened to my players this year. Something that's changed the way they play and the way I manage. You can call it faith, you can call it angels, you can call it whatever you want. 
That's all I have to say. Then you think like he's just hasn't been a good person to any of these guys and they're they're standing up for him. It's again, it's just a lack of development on the baseball side that that really like it takes you out of it. Yeah, I think it's tough that he starts the movie being such a grump and such a mean person and he flips over the craft services table and everything and then quite abruptly once the kids come into the mix he's a nice guy now and it just feels super quick and it it didn't feel earned so the whole time when he starts being nicer you're like isn't this guy who five minutes ago was a huge jerk to everybody so it feels a little tougher to believe i did like that speech in the press conference at the end um but i feel like by that time i had kind of forgotten the opening thing and i was like this is a new character now where the manager's been nice the whole time and i'll just think of it that way but yeah, it's uh, it's tricky because he doesn't even to bring Space Jam one into the mix. He doesn't even like Michael Secret stuff it. You know, he he yeah. doesn't do the like fake confidence of like, yo, yeah, even he like barely sells the angel thing. And then right after he runs out and he's like, ha ha, there were no angels. Ah! <laughs> just <Yeah>. like <laughs> completely like just comes right out with it. Like I was lying to you. <laughs> George Knox is fucking stolen valor. He's just like, yeah, yeah, this team, this team's just playing really well because I, I helped him. Yeah, he really not only didn't is do he, much. um, not only is he a massive asshole who literally fights his players and yells at them and treats them like they're idiots, flips over the food table. Um, also a bad person who is force feeding his players pain pills when it seems like they don't have much career left, which takes you from asshole to terrible person. Sure, uh, and. And then, so the angels show up, he starts being nicer, but even the, like, nice moments are the most disingenuine, forced, awkward interactions I've ever seen. Like, you can tell they're so fake and so forced. And, like, purposely, I assume, because Danny Glover's not a bad enough actor to not be able to pull that off. Um, But we go from that straight to, I will never play for anybody other than George Knox, Mm -hmm. kind of, like... Not even any genuine conversations with any players. There's no like one-on-one moments. There's no encouragement. Uh, it's just like awkward. Oh, I have to be nice now because if I'm not, then the angels will leave, and that's literally kind of it. Um, it's it's really really forced, really fast, really shitty, <laughs> so poorly done. Yeah, there needed to be a kind of a resolution between George Knox and Mel Clark. Kind of a a come. Not, no pun intended, like a come to Jesus <laughs> meeting because yeah. they have that thing at the beginning when George Knox tells him like, I, you know, I got rid of you and I, I traded you cause I'd never wanted to have to see you again. I'm like a very nice way to treat someone who like ruined their right arm and apparently their lungs to, to please you when you were in Cincinnati. But yeah, that, that whole, that whole thing, the, the charm of Danny Glover really smooths that over, which is interesting because Danny Glover can also play like an incredible bad guy. He's in mm-hmm. witness right mm-hmm. before this movie. Uh, it's shooter. He's just a slime ball. Um, it's uh, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen shooter folks, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, and I guess if you haven't seen witness, I'm just spoiling <laughs> it all. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that, I mean, talking Mel Clark too. So Mike had mentioned the thing earlier that Mel Clark hadn't pitched in this decade. This movie comes out in 1994. Hadn't started a game. So he sees Mel's got an angel and he's like, Mel, you're starting. Doesn't even, it doesn't even think he's like thrown. Like sure. He's got the angel, but the mechanics of it, at least they acknowledge, at least ranch Wilder acknowledges like you can activate a player up to before the game. 
But that means that someone also had to go into the clubhouse and be like, uh, pack your shit. You just got sent Yeah, you just got cut. <laughs> you, just, you just got DFA'd. And then, uh, you know, what? Danza just, I don't think Danza played Little League. No, like it's, not, it's tough. Not, not, not great form. And also very sweaty. Very sweaty. Extremely just sweaty. Really wet in that final scene. <laughs> yeah. He's got those nicotine sweats. He'd been mm. out there for 156 mm. pitches. 100, Saturday, 100, <laughs> at least 156 pitches. You know, it's really comical, but then Stanford <laughs> threw that left-handed kid like 150 pitches in Super Regionals, so it still does happen, apparently. Um, also, like, the first game after not pitching him years, he throws him a complete, complete game. game. So he has, learned, he has learned no lessons about, about Mel Clark throwing his arm out for him. Like, <sighs> George Knox should pay yearly wages to the estate of Mel Clark because mm. he ruined ruined that man's life. No. Absolutely ruined that man's life. Um, I true. also I need to comment on the catcher Trisket Mesmer, who <clears throat> won. Who came up with that name? I understand they're trying to be campy, but that no, uh, that man is overweight. And you're expecting him to squ- athlete, squat behind the backstop, you know, squat behind the plate for a hundred, at least 130 to 140 games in the big leagues in stifling yep. California heat. No, sir. As no, a large sir. man myself, his knees are not handling that. They're not. <laughs> they, they just can't. His knees and ankles are not hanging out under there. They put Dan Vogelbach at catcher in this movie. <laughs> that's what they did. That's uh, wild. That's tough. <laughs> I'm like, I, I was just going to say, go, speaking off of that, Mel throwing 156 pitches, I wrote down a lot of like the baseball doesn't work here and it just, it keeps going and it pisses me off every time. One, every action shot is super, super zoomed in to hide the fact that they just didn't want to put any effort into yeah. making the play look good, which was once you notice it, you can't not notice it and it just pisses you off even more every single time and it's literally every action shot. There are multiple shots of Mel pitching from the windup with established runners on base. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, which is such an easy thing to not do. Whit Bass starts two games in a row. Yes, he does. Uh, which which pisses me off. Uh, at one point, yeah, we said the Mel had thrown 156 pitches. The hit or die, we're at the climactic scene of the movie. Hit or die is up to bat. Uh, he hits a weak liner to right center field that goes past the fence uh left field foul Mm -hmm. like to the left of the foul pole and it's very clearly a weak bloop line drive to right center field it's just infuriating uh and the wayne the angels won the pennant but there's no mention of playoffs of the world series he just kept saying the championship yeah yeah that's that's tough you forgot you forgot my favorite one which is when the a's are trying to get the ball and hijinks are going around Mm -hmm. which like is fun fun to see christopher lloyd hacky sacking the ball and them all scramble around uh, yeah. three guys dive over the ball. They all have the exact same glove, and the glove has not seen a speck of dirt. It is three, <laughs> like, fresh out of the wrapper gloves, and they're all the same, like, brown Rawlings with the red R glove. Identical. Yeah, but they're the Walmart, they're they, the Walmart Rawlings. They are identical Walmart Rawlings. <laughs> so the, the hit, the one that you're talking about, the one where he's hacky-sacking the ball and stuff like that, that is the one where this, it's like, okay, this is just for kids. If that had happened in real life, they would have been rolling an exorcist out to that field. Like they would, they would have stopped the game. They would have said something is fucking wrong here, because the first Angels play where they kind of they give McConaughey like an extra jump. They could have done all the things like that, like a little extra yeah. juice on the ball, like maybe mm-hmm. flicking a ball over the fence that's right. about to be caught, sure, you know, and stuff like that. 
But with the hammerling hit, it's like, let's just fuck with these yeah. people. Yeah, the, uh, the Hay jump, though, is pretty fun because he does, like, full extension leap, and then they drag him for quite some distance to the fence. It's like, what was he do? Like, was he, like, full extension, but then also was 20 feet away from catching the ball? Like, he's truly, truly, <laughs> really struggling there. Just an interesting choice. Here's the pitch, and Lozano smashes one to deep center. I don't think Williams will get to this one. It's also really amazing that that man led a movie the year after this or like two, like a huge movie, mm-hmm. which they, they give him two lines here. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's get into best scene, which I don't know if that's an oxymoron, but you know, <laughs> let, let's talk about it. Danny, is there a scene that like right off the bat, you're like, this is the best scene in the movie has no competition. Yeah, and it's a short scene and kind of a scene that doesn't mean a whole lot, but the Sandlot scene where the little boy runs home. Mm, mm-hmm. Real fun. That, that's, fun my fav- <laughs> that's my favorite scene by a lot because it's just fun. George Knox finally not an asshole. I think that's kind of the first moment in the film where he's not an asshole. Um, and it's just very fun. Like, if I had gotten a lot more of that out of this movie, I, I would have had a really good time. I think it's a blast. The kid running home when he tells him to run home is mm-hmm. A+. plus. A very good goof that we used to, like, make fun of at practice. Someone would say run home, and we would turn around and start running toward the truck. It's just a good goof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mike? Is this one I have the best scene? That would have been my pick, especially because I like in the beginning, you, the way it's set up is I'll do whatever you want. And then it's just like a zoom in on a bunch of different hats and jerseys. And I, I didn't know what was – I had no idea what to expect. I was truly like on the edge of my seat like, what is this? Like, are they all getting photos with pros? Like, is it, I thought it was going to be like a big cameo run because they have all the different hats from every team. I was like, oh, did they get a bunch of players too? Cool. And then it was all the kids. Like, it was fun. It was really fun. It was nice and lighthearted, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, pop and game of of neighborhood Sandlot baseball. Also, something that doesn't work about this movie is at some point Maggie would have been completely strong arm out of that home by corporation, like corporate developers to being that close to the ballpark. Like they would have gotten that. She's on a corner lot in Anaheim, real close to the ballpark. Maggie's a as a social now. worker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she they they found a way to fuck her out of that completely. Yeah, she, yeah. No, yeah. That I mean, that one's probably my favorite. There's also. A really good the conversation that uh, that Knox and Roger have in the car after Roger's dad has just abandoned him yeah. at the courthouse, mm-hmm. and we finally get a little insight into who Knox is. That's actually really good. It kind of explains a little bit why he's so angry. That's when I, I think that's when we start buying into Knox and saying okay, and we we start to see like where this is going. Uh, as far as, as far as the ending, um, Roger angrily saying he doesn't believe in angels after literally seeing angels is kind of a stretch. (laughs) Roger's just over here. Like these angels are fake news is, is tough. (laughs) Ignoring some, ignoring some facts. Um, 
it's it's bad. Uh, Knox's press conference we talked about it. That one was good too. Um, that you know the, the the final inning is I don't know if that's the best scene, but it's certainly a trip. Mm-hmm. Like this, you know, we find out Mel is dying. Uh, you know that we get the big moment with you know waving waving the arms and stuff like that. Like that's nice. Um, you know, that, that, that stuff is, that stuff is good, but I, I do think it's actually outside of the baseball field where the movie shines a little bit more, the neighborhood game, the stuff with Knox and Roger. I think that's, th- those are probably our best moments. Yeah. I also would say from a viewing perspective, one of my favorite things when it was far enough in the movie and I was not having the most fun just watching when they start having the reveal that there are angels supporting the team, I was really hoping that one person, one person would say, you're telling me there's angels in the outfield? And they they, they come <laughs> close to saying it so many times. So many times. Like, there's all the iterations of, like, you're telling me there's angels helping the team or there's angels on the field like there's so many instances of them like walking up to saying the title of the film and i was furious that no one said (laughs) angels in the outfield tragic tragic missed opportunity yeah really sad but it was fun to hope it did you guys notice the angels all looked like just like dorky ass middle-aged accountants Oh yeah, I think I think both groups of angels. I think the the ethereal angels and the baseball <laughs> angels all That's just baseball didn't didn't fit their correct vibes of athletes or deities. Didn't make yeah. sense at all. The only person who looked like a ball player was Ray Martinez with mm. that hair. Mm. That guy looks. I thought, McCon- I thought McConaughey looked like a, he could genuinely be a baseball player. Him and he- him and Martinez were it for me. Yeah, McConaughey certainly had the hair. That was back yeah. when it was, yeah. it was yeah. strong for him. Um, best quote. This isn't the most quotable movie we've mm-hmm. ever we've ever done on the show. Um, I already mentioned. I think I thought that you used to be Mel Clark, and then it's yeah, I used to be is actually really good. I was like, oh, look at that good writing in this not so great movie. Mm-hmm. I like it too because it's fucking savage for that little kid to <laughs> say that. <laughs> you used to be Mel Clark. That's devastating to hear from a small child. That's that's Mike in the bleachers of Yankee Stadium yelling at Josh Donaldson. Oh man, the things <laughs> the things I <laughs> the things I've said. Um, there's uh, also Dermot Moroni saying that you know Rod, when Rogers like when are we going to be a family again? He's like, from where I'm sitting, I'd say when the Angels win the pennant. You stay out of trouble, son. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. Shitty motorcycle, Dad. His oh, sunglasses though were very cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. When he said that line, I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> like, the kid's not gonna understand that if the team wins." <laughs> Classic hijinks. Uh, I also like. Uh, I can't tell time yet. Are we back by five? Very good JP mm. moment for me. Yeah, that was good, and that was a good. I liked the redemption of it first. I had completely forgotten if Maggie was someone we liked or disliked, and she starts off kind of thinking like she's gonna be a, a grumpy person we don't like and then when she melts away into one of the more lovable characters i thought that was a really fun i don't know if it was an intentional misdirect but right off the jump when she's really sticking to the time but then she becomes great i loved that i loved the little twist yeah yeah uh okay challenging category most athletic moment 
<sighs> I, there's one play when Ray Martinez jumps into the crowd and like popcorn goes flying everywhere where he does a good jump into the stands. And I think that that was pretty solid. It was in the montage. And it's so funny. I know we keep talking about Little Big League, but it's so funny. The contrast of the amazing montage from Little Big League to what's the song? The uh, uh, Run Around Sue. Run Around Sue. And yeah. then this one to Take Me Out to the Ball Game, like a far worse song. And then also a far worse montage. Just the the parallels of difference. It was, it, oh, it was like looking at a negative photo. Gosh. I bet this movie. <laughs> I, I need to look at the box office, but I I would bet it grossed far more. Than oh, of course, like. of course it did. Of course Almost it certainly. did. Let's see. Yeah. Let's let's do. We're fuck it. Let's do it live. Uh, okay, <laughs> Angels in the Outfield, fifty point two million domestically. Little Big League, same year. Uh, twelve million. Yeah. <sighs> that is just yeah. damn. Dis- You've got Disney to be effect. F- fucking kidding me. God. And Disney effect. We want to talk about how Disney said it, they couldn't digitize this. Uh, I will say, after putting in the DVD, and I don't have a super large TV. I think I have a 55-inch TV. I don't know if this is just the resolution or whatever. It did not come close to taking up my entire screen. <laughs> that mine, mine did the same thing. Okay, yeah. mine did the same thing. It was it was small. Once I started playing it, I was like, oh, maybe this is why they didn't digitize it. This is low quality. Yeah. I can see now. Uh, this movie also grossed more than Sandlot. So. What the f- no? That's yeah, Sandlot, Sandlot, because it, it's got the people also search for. And the Sandlot right there at thirty four point three million. Sandlot had Man. to has to have made up for it in the DVD sales though. Oh, like for the, sure. Or the VHS. Like there's got to be. Sandlot had to have the late surge. That movie is for sure just iconic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my most athletic moment: the first pitch of the movie by an extra, by like an athletics pitcher, was like, oh yeah, that guy played. Okay. <laughs> oh, baseball player. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, I have a category that I included just for this movie: least athletic moment. Ooh. Um, hmm. Mesmer sliding in or sliding like the face, the head first slide, probably the one that the angel pushes him. Yeah, uh, mm. his forearms are like skin to the bone after that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> really, yeah, that's really horrible. Rough. I, I think the one that I might pick because there, there's a lot of things where it's just like even when guys like miss ground balls, and like there's one where the first baseman like dives after a ball and it looks really bad, like even the mistakes don't look like baseball mistakes, but I think. The one that really stood out is one of the very first plays when they're showing you, like, the angels are bad. There's the pop-up to left, which was certainly a fly out to the first baseman. The two guys, when they collide into each other, I think it's I think it's stunt doubles. But I think, like, whoever is playing the left fielder, when they run into each other, he, like, football lower the shoulder, like, truck sticks the guy. And I get they're <laughs> doing that for, you know, dramatic collision effect. But, like, if that is the way in which the left fielder is running, what is happening? Because he is running solely with the purpose of tackling the other actor. He probably heard McConaughey booked a John Grisham movie, and he's just jealous. He's just like, fuck this guy. <laughs> <Not about it. laughs> I'm going to break this motherfucker's ribs. Um, How about uh, Adrian Brody, uh, his swing at a ball that's literally standing still? It's the least athletic swing I've ever seen. Yeah, he's still, ball is standing still. He still hits it to the infield. That's the thing. If, like... I have this. I have this down as what didn't work. Like, if you make it to the big leagues, even if you are a light hitting utility infielder, 
you still have to be able to hit. Yeah. It's still like you were still the best hitter on your college team or your high school team. Like you cannot be a guy who cannot swing a baseball. Bat. Here's an underrated one yeah. for least athletic. This was more of just like least baseball in the game against the White Sox when they have the bases loaded or first and second or something. There's a threat where like they show all the runners taking their lead and the guy leading off second base does the classic like dig the one foot in thing. But he does it <laughs> in a way where someone told him, yeah, take your foot and kind of rotate it to the right and left like you're digging in and then he never watching a second of baseball in his life was like i will do this like it was just so clearly <laughs> like he was told to do this and he followed the instructions they were just poorly delivered we could probably do a two-hour <laughs> podcast like i was thinking this actually that we still needed to do the the monthly big screen sports live watch um that got kind of derailed we had one scheduled that ted lasso happened mm-hmm. and everything everything went awry Besides the fact that this isn't streaming and no one could follow along, this would actually be a great live watch one because we could just be like, look at this fucking guy. Look at this fucking guy. Like, look at that. If look at that. You, now that we have the right. DVD, you should find a way to just like rip it and then you could make like a straight YouTube video of just like pointing out, you know, just go like full John Madden, get the yellow lines like, yeah, you see here, this doesn't, you know. Like. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good idea. I'm going to holster that one. That's, uh, yeah, I mean. All the pitching, like Danza can't pitch, Neil mm-hmm. McDonough can't pitch. Uh, I, I like what Neil McDonough is. It is it McDonough, McDonough? I don't I know. Think I've, I've always said McDonough. McDonough, yeah, McDonough, that's what I think. yeah, pro- yeah. professional that guy. But uh, I like yeah. what he's trying to do. I mean, he honestly, his character, his vibes fit in a little bit more in Little Big League. Like he's probably like you could see him like messing around with Bowers in the bullpen or something like that. But yeah. uh, guy can't pitch. Um, Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. I'm gonna run through some nominees. Lloyd. Yeah, that's the no, <laughs> really it's, no need. It, it's Christopher. Lloyd. So <laughs> that was the thing when I was when I was starting like going through the movie or whatever, and I started like writing down who I thought would be best supporting. You know, I wrote down Brody McConaughey just because of who they are. Um, you know, I Ranch Wilder. You know, McDonough, and then like towards the end of the movie, I'm like, I guess I gotta write Christopher Lloyd yeah, in this he's because he's not in a lead. the movie. <laughs> yeah. Is, which is stunning. So it's like, I would say, like, who's in it too much? JGL, Glover, JP, probably. I, th- yeah. I think it's just the evil announcer Maybe. straight up is my is my pick. I, he's I, it's Did this movie come out after Rookie of the Year? Because he is basically the stepdad from Rookie of the Year. Like, looks, vibes, evil, everything, except he is the announcer for the team. I think it's year after. Uh, yeah, it, it looks like year. it looks like someone watched Rookie of the Year and was like, oh, what if that guy was the announcer instead? Like, it's beat for beat the same character. By the way, for, for Pinch Hitter, for his best supporting character, did you guys notice who's sitting behind JP and Roger in that the first Angels game they go to? Mm-mm. It's the Pine Saw lady from the Pine Saw commercials. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It oh. is the Pine Saw lady. It's the Pine Saw lady. That's oh, a man. Prize. I'm gonna have to fire up the DVD, baby. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. Yeah, it's the, the Pine Salt Lady. <laughs> Good for her. Incredible. Um, okay, so when I sent you guys the run sheet before we did Little Big League, I sent you the run sheet for this movie, mm-hmm. and this category hadn't been added yet. New category that was added last week. The Mission Impossible. This is the first time we did this. Uh, shout out patron Zachary Shelton who suggested this one, but like a defend the villain category you got to make make a case for this person justify this person who's our villain did we want to do we want to is it dermot moroni is it ranch wilder i think, I think those ranch. are our two villains i think it's ranch so ranch okay uh since you guys didn't know this was coming i'll, I'll kind of take the lead here defend i'll defend ranch wilder in court here um 
kind of kind of right. George Knox actually not a good manager. Something had yeah. to be up. Was actually right about everything. Not a good broadcaster. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think Ranch Wilder was was actually very correct. I think it's kind of a nobody's right here situation. Like George Knox shouldn't be the manager, but also Ranch Wilder shouldn't be the manager. Um, yeah, I, I you know I think that's where you know I, I think that works there. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. the case. I don't know that I, I didn't really understand why like him be Knox getting advice from angels is like bad like everyone's like oh what a scandal like i don't know he's trying to paint him as a crazy person yeah, yeah. i guess that's all it is but yeah i, I also knocks is... all he had to do was say that like yeah these kids are my good luck charms like they're right. these foster kids you're all gonna love them look how adorable these kids are like yeah they've been helping us out one of the kids thinks he sees angels right. big whoop you want to fight about it yeah um yeah so okay the peter gallagher award for the hottest person in this movie I feel like this one's pretty easy. I think it's McConaughey, yeah. Got to be McConaughey. He looks yeah. great. <laughs> like looks really like, cool. Next, yeah, Maca- yeah, <laughs> next, yeah, McConaughey. Uh, I will say, my wife did point out that uh, Ranch's backup announcer, the guy yes. who actually meets his mic, actually yeah. pretty good looking he, guy. Yeah, he looks. He's cute. He's mm-hmm. cute. Yeah, yeah, handsome dude. Okay, best time, worst time. Uh, who had the? I feel like Al is having. Al a good has time, the best generally. time. He's having the best time. Yeah. He turns into time. Coke terribly cgi'd coke but oh, coke nonetheless we didn't talk about the cgi in this it's movie. tough the angels are bad the clouds are weird the ball it, everything is rough uh my my best time is the the tank top guy who somehow at every single day game drinking beer and eating hot dogs that dude is absolutely <laughs> living the life he's at every game and you know tickets are dirt cheap he's just spending a couple bucks he's probably spending ten dollars total on a ticket a dog and a beer and having a great time and he's at all of them Living yeah. the dream. Uh, best time, whichever one of these players was able to parlay angel influence performance Ooh. into a good contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Someone got paid off That's this. like when people look at the baseball references, like, how'd this guy have one good year? It's like, well, actually, ethereal beings. <laughs> <Angels>. <laughs> the the Brady Anderson thing, except, you know, maybe, maybe, it, was just, maybe it was just angels for Brady Matt Anderson. Matt Carpenter def- on the Yankees yeah. for half a season. <laughs> What a yeah. time. <laughs> what a time. Uh worst time. Is... I uh... I'm going I'm going with the woman that works for Ranch Wilder who's just getting snapped at all day. Mm, the one She's in the back, like, on the computer. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. who's, this, who's just getting stats to him when she doesn't know that he needs stats. And also, you saw how Ranch was looking at those women through his binoculars. You know he's mm. just a sketchy, oh. sketchy dude to work for. And she also so seems she's like she time. cares about the team because there's a couple of shots yeah. where she's, like, really into the game. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good candidate. Um I don't know. I mean, JGL's Mel having Clark a rough time for dies. a lot of it. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. actually, maybe Mel Clark. <laughs> yeah. Clark fucking dies of cancer at the end, so I think maybe him. <laughs> Mel Clark, like, the highest of highs right right after the lowest of lows. Or, like, that he has the highest of highs, which goes into the lowest of lows. Like, yeah, we see Mel Clark at probably the last good part of his life, which yeah. that is oh, depressing. Uh, Roger's dad also abandons him, so that's pretty tough. That's That's a bad time. Right. Um, I'm gonna skip the Keith Morrison Dateline episode. I just don't have anything. This I, maybe George force feeding pills to his players. Ooh, that's that actually that would have actually mm-hmm. been a very good Dateline episode. That scandal gets out. That's, that's Keith Morrison's pick. That's, yeah, that's good. That's, that's, that's a sure. good pick. Oh, Mel Clark. <laughs> um, 
Okay, which character would be Airbud? Oh man, uh... JP, but it's got to be Puppy Airbud because the only thing cuter than mm. the kid playing JP is puppy is a puppy golden retriever. puppy Airbud. Yeah, Roger has this golden retriever that he takes everywhere with him. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, what if Airbud is Ranch Wilder and he's just a fucking <laughs> barking? <laughs> he's he's bark- barking into the microphone. <laughs> Danny Glover tries to punch a dog, gets bitten instead. <laughs> it's tough because the angels are invisible to everyone else, but having something where like a dog keeps helping the team win would be fun. And I guess that is yeah. just Airbud in Airbud. Like Angel. <laughs> think, yeah, that's just like yeah, just, that's just, just I'm describing Airbud. Air <laughs> hey, it was fun. <laughs> hey, we all loved Airbud. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know what it says about me that I'm. I always go to like, like, what if, what if Airbud is is Dermal Maroney? What if Airbud's the deadbeat dad on the motorcycle? <laughs> it's like it's barking at a judge, ripping rip heaters before he abandons his child, <laughs> barking at a judge. I'm not proud of it. All right. <laughs> um. Okay. The big chill for the big chill moment of this movie. Now this movie I think has a big chill. I think mm-hmm. it also has a, a big cheese. Mm-hmm. I think it has a che- I think it has some cheesy moments. Mm-hmm. Um I actually so like I said, I got I got emotional a few times in this movie and I think that can qualify as a big chill. So I, I got some nominees. I think the prayer, the initial prayer, I was not I didn't remember it very well. I was not expecting to get so emotionally hit by that, but when it's when Rod, it's not just that he's he because they could have just said, uh, you know, dear God, if there is a God and he's being very respectful, maybe it's a man or a woman. He's just like you know, he could have just said, I really wish the angels could win the pennant, but he says, I'd really like a family. Yeah, and that is a fucking killer. That made me want to go. There's a wonderful organization here that helps foster kids who are transitioning out of foster care, uh, transition to adult life, and it made me want to go donate right away. God. If there's God, if you're a man or a woman, if you listen, I really, really like a family. My dad says that only happen if the angels want the bed. The baseball team, I mean. So maybe you could help him light a little. So that is that is big. Uh, when the score hits, when the angels come down to help McConaughey, I was like, "What is this? Am I getting the chills? Is this is this, this kind of cool?" It's, it sounded like it was going to be the theme to the Natural. Oh, yes, that's my first yeah. thought because you get Same like vibes. the bells uh-huh. twinkling at the very beginning, and then it's not. But yeah, that's the, my first thought was like, "Are they just fucking ripping off the Natural?" Right mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. How did we feel about the angel wings for Mel Clark's last pitch? Was that I the mean, big chill or the big cheese? I think probably. It, yeah, I think it's both. the chill, and I think the key thing that I didn't remember but watching it, and maybe I'm just looking into this. It the facial expression on Joseph Gordon-Levitt, it looks like he knows he's lying. Like his face looks like <laughs> he's like trying to muster up, but like I wonder if that was it, or, or I don't know what direction it was given, but it looks like he, like he is acting like he is faking it, like a kid without a <laughs> poker face. And I thought it made it better, like that he is just like 
doing it, but not confident. And he feels bad about it, but he knows he has to do it. That's what I read on his face. And I liked it. It's just desperation. It's like all, it's like all of my college teammates when I was on the mound in a big situation. They're like, come on, man, fucking please. Uh, I think that scene is the big chill until it shows David uh, and his creepy ass smile. Mm. Um, oh, chill is, into is... cheese. I think that could be yeah. the correct answer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so the big chili cheese. Yeah, the big chili. It's, it's a large hot dog. <laughs> I will say the, the adoption, too, got me emotional. Oh, it's good. When, when yeah, she, okay, that's, that's where so I choked I up have, the most. I have thoughts about the adoption scene. The uh, It's great. Knox adopting Roger. We all knew it was happening. Making it seem like he wasn't going to adopt JP, too, is the meanest fucking thing that happens in this whole movie. When he went about, they, they both went about things yeah. the wrong way. I was so messed up. I was so angry the whole scene. I couldn't even feel good that he's adopting these kids because it made it. JP's just like heartbroken over there. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're taking him too. You should have said that, dude. Yeah, Yeah. you got to open with that. (laughs) So mad. Yeah, needed that one back. Um, Last category before more restore prequel, sequel, or remake. Now, this movie did get a sequel. What? Yeah. Yeah. Is it just called uh, Angels in the Outfield 2, or does it have a fun little name? No, it is uh, Angels, Angels in the End in Zone. Angels in the Infield? Oh, in the End Zone. Angels in the End Zone. Christopher Lloyd returned. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Um, one of the, let's see, uh, Matthew Lawrence, uh, teen, famous teen heartthrob Matthew Lawrence was in it. All right. Uh, he was in uh, The Kid from Mrs. Doubtfire and Boy Meets World. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, no one else I recognize. But okay. um so my thought here the thing is if this ever gets remade. So this movie was teetering on the line of like if this movie gets remade, it might be by the company that put out this new fucking Sound of Freedom movie yeah. or the it's God's the Not Dead the movies. People. It yeah. was it was so teetering on like it was walking this tightrope of if it had just fallen over a little bit to the right side it could have turned into one of those very uh Mm -hmm. proud to be religious and gone much more into persecution the persecution complex that like that press conference scene with danny glover would have turned into one of those corny ass like a god's not dead type scene and that's what i'm worried about if this ever gets remade which like disney won't allow it so no uh but that something like this would just be the in 2023 um like you can't make like disney i don't think would make this ever again no i think i think the answer is remake but it has to be one of those remakes where it's like yeah it's angels in the alpha but we've completely changed the plot like yeah i think the only thing you you keep is that there are angels in the outfield uh and you gotta decide how you want to work the other stories in do you want to do it better do you want to scrap some stuff uh i think it's a it's a remake in in name and general vibes only yeah and I want a prequel that centers around Mel Clark. That's Ooh. the only prequel story that I'm interested in. I don't the need to see any more Roger or JP stuff because that might actually kill me. Uh, but seeing Mel Clark at the height of Mel Clark and into the downfall and the shit between him and George Knox, it it's not ha- has basically nothing to do with this movie. The vibes are going to be way, way different. Mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't be a Disney movie. I think it should get darker. But seeing Mel Clark and George Knox's story when they're with the Reds, I think would be 
uh, actually pretty interesting. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would love to see a movie like that in general, like player on the mm. downside of their career, struggling with you know uh, pain pill addiction, things like that. I think that actually be that would slap. It's not a movie anyone's gonna make yeah. unless it's a very small indie, but I think think it would slap. But yeah, we don't. We would get the Varsity Blues. John Voight put the put the like uh, needle in his knee or whatever scene. We would get that, but in baseball, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, man, John Voight in that movie. What a, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, this one was. It was a movie. It was a it was film. A, it was a film. <laughs> they 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 took cameras and they they filmed people doing stuff, and it, it was a thing. Um, but it's, you know, it's fun to pick apart the ones that we don't love too. So, uh, guys, I'm very appreciative. Thank you for joining. Uh, Mike, tell the folks where they can follow you. Sure. You can find the newest Olympian, the Percy Jackson podcast we talked about earlier, wherever you get your podcast by searching for it or going to the Olympian.com. And if you want to check out any of the other podcasts that I make, whether that is horse, the basketball one or meddling adults, the charity one that Kyle's been on Potterless or modern muckraker, you can go to my website, which is just shubes, S C H U B dot E S. And then on social media, I'm shubes 17 on Twitter and Instagram S C H U B E S one seven. And Danny. Uh, at Rank Kings Pod with the double K in the middle on Twitter and Instagram. There's a link tree in the bio that takes you to our free Discord uh, and our not free Patreon. And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate and leave your review if you're on Apple Podcast or Spotify. If you want to support the show and if you want to get say, uh, get a say in the movies that this show covers, go to patreon.com slash big screen sports. If you're a baseball fan and you actually like baseball, not like Angels in the Outfield baseball, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm that is presented by Baseball America. comes at you every other Tuesday. Great last episode with Hall of Fame Miami and Georgia Tech coach Jim Morris. Go check that one out. And for Big Screen Sports, we will see you next Monday. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.